Well, it seems you can't go a day in the United States if you're looking at the news or watching television uh, and without hearing a story of sex trafficking, right? We hear about this uh, all across the southern border. We've got terrible things happening on the southern border here in the United States. And I think it's easy for us to sort of become used to hearing the language of trafficking and sex trafficking. And today I'm going to take a different angle as we're going to talk about this really important topic. Susan Henson is joining me. She and her husband, Dr. Al Henson, are the founders of Compassionate Hope Foundation, of the Compassionate Hope Foundation. And she's got an incredible story of hope and healing. And we're going to offer you a way that you can learn more about this uh, this incredible ministry and get involved. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, thank you guys for joining me. As you can see, this is part of my series from the floor here at the National Religious Broadcasters Association. We are cranking out the interviews. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And it's giving you a window into some of the things that God is doing all across the country as it relates to men and women in full-time ministry, uh, men and women particularly that God gives platform to. My guest today is no exception to this. I met her here and I love what they are doing. And we're going to jump right into this important topic. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So uh, tell me a little bit about you and your husband and kind of your background, uh, because that background is what's led to the passion that's driving this ministry. Absolutely. I'd love to. My husband and I were in ministry, um, starting a brand new startup church in Nashville, Tennessee. And the, a year and a half later, the Lord brought refugees into right to our front door, you might say. And we adopted and fell in love with them. And then when they came to know the Lord, they said, oh, but what about our family that are back home? So we started going back to Thailand and fell in love with the people there and shared the gospel. Then they would say, oh, but what about my family across the river in uh, another country? And so we started walking among and serving the persecuted believers. And one of the things we did, we said, we promise that we'll take care of your family if anything ever happens to you. And so that really um, has actually happened. We have 18 people that we have discipled that have um, been martyred for their faith. And we are taking care of their, their families and their wives and helping them to be sustainable. But while we were walking among this dark, dark culture, there was another darkness that we saw, Heidi, that was just overwhelming and we could not get away from it. And we saw how dark the darkness was. We saw how dark the depravity of man was. And and. and 35, 40 years later, we, my, instead of my husband and I retiring, we refired and we established Compassionate Hope Foundation. And that is primarily to um, offer homes of hope for children that have um, been abandoned, abused, um, being tracked down to be sold as child brides, um, labor traffic, uh, sex traffic. Just any kind of, every story in the, of our children are just, uh, they're heartbreaking. Uh, since 2010, we've rescued over a thousand children. And one of the promises that we have made to these children is that we will walk with them and love them as family all the way through university, Bible college, or a Votech um, opportunity to give them a hope and a future that they would have never had. So it's interesting 
to, to hear you talking about this because the, the questions just kind of swirl around my mind. You know, where do you find these kids? Do they, they, you hear about them, they, they come to you. So share with us some of the stories to help us sort of put, uh, wrap our arms around what you're talking about. Um, I would love to. The first one that comes to my mind um, is a story about one of the child brides. Um, it was two sisters. They're, the girls' names are Yang and Ying. They were 15 and 14. But this is about a child bride. And um, it's a hidden, um, you might say, hidden practice among their culture that we were not even aware of. Is it a religious practice? Are we talking about a particular religion? Or is it just a cultural anomaly to that area? I think it's more of a cultural anomaly, mm-hmm. um, really, because it's not in every a village, and this is more of a, a village that a uh, group of people, they're called the Hmong people, and they've migrated into Thailand. But let me just briefly tell you the story. So we get a phone call one night uh, from Yang's mom, and she said, my daughter's being tracked down to be taken and stolen as a child bride. Now, let me tell you the background of this. Yang, um, just weeks before this, had been dancing in a cultural, tribal uh, festival. It's a Buddhist festival. An older man who was in his 40s saw her, saw her, wanted to marry her, went to her father and said, please, can I marry her? And Yang was like, no, daddy, no, please, daddy, no. And she was concerned because her father was considering this. But what happened is Does he get money for that? He will get yeah, money for yeah. that. And so, but he's also got nine children, nine other children to feed. So he's thinking, well, if I don't, you know, have her marry this man, I've got to find a job for her because she graduates from ninth grade. And that's as far as their, their school goes in wow. their region. Wow. And so he's thinking logically, but not about gang. And finally, he says no. But when the man leaves, he says something, and he, in a very angry voice, he says, I will be back. And she was like, what did he mean? And so they finally told her that in their culture, that this man now has the right, even though he's been told no, he has the right in the next three months to come back and steal her away at any time in the next three months and steal her away for seven days and return her after that seven days. Well, you tell me what you think is going to happen in those seven days. Oh, my goodness. So uh, there's three things that will happen. (laughs) One is he will return her and he will pay a fee because he's been with her. Two, he'll pay a dowry because she's changed her mind that she will marry him. And that's what he's hoping that will happen. And thirdly, if she gets pregnant, she has to marry him. So that's what's happening. But let me tell you what happens to these girls. And this is so heartbreaking when we heard this, because we didn't even know this till we started stepping into this arena. And so what happened with Yang is that it, for the next few weeks, she was o- looking over her shoulder every time terrified. she... Yes, terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the question in her mind, and every other girl that's facing this in this culture, not if, not, not a- am I going to get stolen, but is, is, is it going to be today? So every single day, she's over, looking over her shoulder, and then she's seizing day after day, and she's running and hiding. And finally, she 
runs back one day right after school. She sees him tracking her down like an animal. That is crazy. And she gets back to her home and she falls on her face before her mom and just says, Mom, do something. And her mom had heard about our Homes of Hope. We were an hour and a half away, but she called our, our house mom, Nari, and the very next morning, this was late at night, so the very next morning, Nari goes and gets uh, Yang and Ying both and brings them to our home of hope. The beauty of this is that this was a prevention. She didn't have to go through the trauma of that. And now Yang has graduated from the university and she worked three years in a a school and she realized, oh, this is what I really want to do because her degree was in English. She learned English. And so now she saved up her money and she is in Australia right now getting her master's degree. Wow. And so this child would have never, ever had that opportunity. Just think of the trauma she would have had. And this man already had two wives. So she would have been nothing but a sex slave. So he's a rapist. Really? That's all. I mean, that's what he is. He's a rapist. Yeah. And and these kids are being uh, targeted. Yes. And what's I think so interesting now is here in the spirit of the age, right? We're seeing our kids. Kids are what is that's who the enemy's going after right now. Absolutely. Going after them through comprehensive sex education in our schools, through uh, through the gender uh, the gender attack, through yes. transgenderism on our kids. We're seeing sex trafficking at an all-time high Absolutely. right here in the United States. And you guys have seen tremendous things happen because of your willingness to step into this very dark arena. I'm curious to know, as you look ahead, uh, and you see the difference that God is allowing you to make, there's going to be people that are listening to this who are thinking, my heart is burdened for that, and they want to somehow get involved. How can people get involved in what you are doing? Uh, What's the best way for them to sort of find out more about about this incredible ministry? Because this whole book, and that's kind of how I met you, right? Uh, Breaking Invisible Change, True Stories of Persecution, Trafficking, and God's Transforming Hope. Uh, how can people get involved uh, in what you're doing? Because you've written a book about this, and I would imagine you got to have a lot of y- your heart's on fire. I mean, yes, I've written eight absolutely. books. One, uh, books do not write themselves. <laughs> you have to have an inspiration behind you. Yes. Uh, so I want you to, to kind of tell us what inspired you to write this extraordinary uh, account, and then how can people get involved? Yes. Um, well, first of all, they can always go to our website. It's compassionatehope.org. They can write in, and they can uh, email me at susan at compassionatehope.org. Uh, we also have the book trailer there, and it's just compassionatehope.org slash breaking chains. So they can go that and, and find that. We have the audio book on, and it's very it's dramatized on uh, Amazon if they'd rather do that. But we love to connect with people. Um, and But this is just such a heavy burden up on my heart because these are our kids and I've been there I've held these kids in my arms when we have rescued them and um, it's such a passion of mine to see that these children have a hope and a future that they would have never had but also what makes this even more a burden of what's happening in the Philippines is because my son is the director there and he's rescuing and fighting Heidi the number one injustice in all the Philippines And literally, there are thousands of children being ravaged in the Philippines every single day. Are they mostly girls or are they boys also? It is both. It is both. But this is a silent epidemic 
Heidi, nobody's talking about it. So thank you for allowing us to be a voice today because this silent epidemic is called OSEC. The acronym is for Online Sexually Exploited Children. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, these children are being put in front of a camera every single day, but they're, it's not just them doing a show. They're being forced by many of them, 70% by their own family members, many by their own mothers, and they're being forced to do horrible acts in front of the camera and with whether, no matter what gender, no matter what age, whether it's an infant or an 80-year-old grandfather. And so this is happening. These children are being trapped in their own home. And the pandemic only threw it into a, uh, a catastrophic tsunami. Well, because I'm imagining when you're talking about this, if this is happening in their homes, then they're being exploited by their parents. They're being exploited yes. by grandparents. And, and these people are yes. selling this, right? They're selling this footage of their own children yes, for money. Yes, but you know what the, the horrible, horrific thing is that applies to us here in America Heidi, we, the U.S. is the number one country consuming and demanding this abuse. Heidi, we are 17 times worse than any other country. Wow. And, and you've got Canada, Australia, and Saudi Arabia. Those are the next, but we're 17 times worse. And you were talking about Mexico. The Philippines is just a little tiny islands, you know, a bunch of islands. Well, the Philippines is 16 times worse than the second country that's, that's, um, filtrated the OSEC, and that's Mexico. But and you know how large Mexico is. But the Philippines, so little. It's just it's thousands yeah. of children being that's ravaged by this. But the beauty is, is my son is the director there, and he's the one that's been rescuing these children. And um, there's one story. If you have time, I would love to tell about Two Faced Ellie. If if you have time, um, Ellie was trafficked first by her aunt. Um, she was nine years old, and one night, uh, two o'clock in the morning, her aunt wakes her up in the middle of the night and said, Ellie, Ellie, wake up. I have a friend, and he wants to say hi to you. She's nine years old. She has no idea what's about to happen to her, and she's put in front of a camera, made to do horrible things, and she goes back to bed, and she just cries out. She says, I was so sick at my stomach, and I cried myself to sleep. But I had to go to school the next morning, so I put on this fake smile that I'm okay, Ellie, face. And she said, then that night I had to put on this dark mask. And for the next month, she was trafficked by her aunt. But three months later, her mother comes and gets her and takes her home. And she thinks, she's, she thinks that she is free from her monster, but that's not the case. Three days later, her mother wakes her up and says, Ellie... Wake up. I have a friend. His name is Peter, and he wants to say hi to you. And so for the next years, from 9 to 14, Ellie was trafficked by her mother and her aunt. And she says, I was like a two-faced robot. 
and it was like every morning I would fold my blanket and set it aside. That's how my soul was. I had this darkness that came over my soul. But if you don't mind, I would love to be able to read the poem just before she was rescued because she was at a point. Something that she wrote? She wrote. I wrote her story from her healing journal after she was, my son was able to rescue her into the home. And I tell you, this is powerful. But she was at a point of almost suicide because of what was coming against her own soul. And the, the title of the, of the poem is called Rescue Me. And this is, this is from her own words. And because this is what she said. Um, she said, I ultimately lost myself. I let the darkness fill me and I wanted to die. I wrote a poem from the words that ran through my mind and heart over and over every night. And here's the poem. Rescue me. Help me. Monsters are chasing. Can't you see? Monsters are whispering, can't you hear? Monsters are shouting, you're nothing. Can't you feel my pain? Monsters are pushing, end it all, just jump. Can't you hear all the whys I'm asking? Monsters are laughing, ha 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 ha, you're all alone in this darkness. Can someone please rescue me? And this was just before she was rescued. And when she first came into the Homes of Hope, she said, I had, I put on my smile, I'm okay, Ellie Mass, because I was afraid, because I thought everybody were monsters. And I was afraid if the people in the Homes of Hope really knew who I was and what I had done, they wouldn't love me or care for me. But she found just the opposite. She found love being poured into her. And Oh, she finally, about three months later, she came to my daughter-in-law, Kathleen, who's from the Philippines, who was raised in the slums of Manila and has such a heart and passion for these girls. And she was able to share her own story of rescue. And the beauty of this, as she poured out her own story and was being honest and open about her own story, then the very thing that she said, you know, God made sure somebody heard your, your cries and rescued you so that you could come to the homes of hope to find true love. And is there that she came to know the Lord and everything that was hid in the darkest part of her closets of her heart poured out that day. And she says in, in, in her writing on that marvelous day, God came in and rescued me from my sin, my shame, my pain, my anger, and rescued me, gave me a brand new life and a brand new name. And that's the story of redemption. Yes, we do tell their stories and it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's a beautiful mess. But redemption is always, Heidi, set on the backdrop yep, of yep. loss and pain and ruin. Yep. And so we get to rescue them. The beauty is that Tim Tebow and his wife, Demi, heard about this story, and they came over and and got to meet Ellie for the very first time because they fell in love with her story, and now they're partners with us, and we're so thankful for those battle-ready partners that come alongside us to help us rescue more children, and if people would love to see Demi meeting Ellie for the very first time, it is a beautiful, beautiful story. She tells the story, and we have a video on our website, and they can go to um, compassionatehope.org slash Tim Tebow, and they can see the story of Demi meeting Ellie for the very first time. But these are stories of redemption, stories of God's stories of bringing hope 
to the hopeless. Yeah, he is the healer. He's he the is. healer. I mean, that's the, certainly the story of my life as well, that yes. God is the healer. And so you're not only bringing a physical safety, but you're introducing these young people to the one who brings ultimate healing, and that's Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful story. How can people learn more and get involved? We would love for you to contact us. You can go to info at compassionatehope.org, and that'll be an email directly to us, or just go to our website, and there's ways that they can um, get involved. If they want to go, and I tell people, go risk love. You don't have to have you know, credentials or know how to do anything. Just go and sit down on the ground, on the floor, and your 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 lap will be filled with love because mm-hmm. these kids, that's all they really need is to be shown God's love and what real love really is. Wow, that's extraordinary. Susan Henson, thank you for coming on thank the show you. with me. I really appreciate it. Stay in touch. I'd love to hear what God does. And again, uh, that book is Breaking Invisible yeah. Change, True Stories of Persecution, Trafficking, and God's transforming hope. Thank you guys so much for watching here at the Off the Bench podcast. Thank you again, Susan, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, great. Thank you. For more information on today's guest, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down to the show notes. If you have a question for me, the way to do that is to reach out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you've been encouraged and inspired as I have been, and I will see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture. Before I leave today, I want to remind you guys of some events that I'm going to be speaking at in the next several weeks. June 16th and 17th, I will be in Mount Juliet, Tennessee for the Discovering the Heart of Homeschool Conference. And I can't wait for you guys to join me. Every place that I will be can be found at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. Just head on over to that page and you can click on the link to register. June 24th, I'm honored to be speaking for the Indiana Association of Home Educators for their 40th anniversary fundraiser. We're going to be raising some money for a fantastic organization. That's happening in Carmel, Indiana on June 24th. And then in July, the 13th through the 15th, I'll be speaking for the Chia Convention. That is the California Home Educators Association in Downey, California. I love these guys. I can't wait to go down there and encourage them. Again, that's June 13th through 15th in Downey, California. Finally, September 15th through 17th, I'll be speaking in Cheryl's Ford, North Carolina for a conference called For Such a Time as This. It's a women's retreat, and I can't wait to have you join me if you're anywhere in that area. Cheryl's Ford, North Carolina. Again, go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events to register and find out more information.